For our scripture reading this morning is going to be from the Psalm, Psalm 127. We'll read the whole thing. Psalms 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Lo, sons are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the sons of one's youth. Happy is the man whose quiver is full of them. He shall not put to shame when he speaks to his enemies in the gate. The word of God for the people of God. All right, I have 1 Kings 17, 8 through 16. And some coloring by Winnie because she took my paper. <laughs> you look away and you get colors. And then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath of Sidon and stay there. I have commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath when he came to the town gate. A widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called and bring me please a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord of your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid, go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word the Lord spoken by Elijah. Thank you. You may be seated. Our gospel text today is from the book of Mark, chapter 12, verses 41 through 44. I just realized I'm on the wrong page. He sat down opposite the treasury and watched the crowd putting money into the treasury. A poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which are worth a penny. And then he called his disciples and said to them, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who have contributed to the treasury. For all of them have contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had all she had to live on. The word of God for the people of God. So as many of you know, I've been laid up after a procedure this week. So I've had a lot of spare time uh, to because I haven't been at work. Uh, I figured the, the safest place to recuperate would be at the house. Uh, I didn't factor in Winnie and our dog in that situation. I probably would have been better just staying in the office for four days straight. But um, still, that's where I ended up. So I was at the house, not working on work stuff. So I spent a lot of my time, I spent a lot of my time playing PlayStation, but I spent a lot of other time working on church stuff, just preparing for the future. Uh, and that's 
um, when I kind of tried to fulfill some requests that folks have had, one of which was setting up an online giving option. A couple of people had mentioned that to me over the last couple of months. And so, like I said earlier, we set that up. Uh, and then, uh, you know, the gospel text today, I don't know how many of y'all are familiar with this text, but it's one of those texts that often get brought up. I don't know, can I get a show of hands of folks who've heard this and then heard a pastor immediately say, you could be like that woman and you could give all you can give. Uh, so uh, I know that with those two things being brought up in the same service that y'all are sitting here thinking you walked into a, a stewardship Sunday uh, where I'm trying to get y'all to give. And that's, I'm going to be real honest with you, that's not not where we're at. Um, there's a lot of, of problems with that reading of this story. There's a lot of issues with reading the story of the widow with two pennies and seeing that as an opportunity to get folks to give. Uh, and we have to, to see those problems, to understand the issue. We have to step out and look at what's going on in the temple at that moment, uh, to look at the text around what is going on, to see kind of what Jesus is trying to get us to see in this story. In order for us to dive into this story, to retrieve the truths of what Jesus would have us understand from this life of this widow, we have to ask what got the widow to this position in the first place. Because as Christians, as followers of Christ, we know that one of the main things we're told to do with our religion is to watch after the widow and the orphan. We understand that our religious service is in no small part pointed towards these who we sometimes refer to as the least of these, those who are naturally inclined to struggle. So this woman comes into this temple and gives all that she has to this religious institution. Why aren't they taking care of her? In this situation, this temple has failed, right? In this situation, this temple has failed to do what we understand religion is meant to do, is bring a community together and take care of the least of these. But you see, when we talk about this story, we so often ignore what Jesus told us at the beginning, what Jesus told us right before this text. We often hear this story of this woman walking up and don't hear what Jesus said seconds before that in the text. So if you could look, if you've got your Bibles, right before that in Mark 12, 38 through 40. He says, as he taught, he said, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor and banquets. They devour widows' houses and for the sake of appearance, pray, say long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. The scribes devour the homes of widows, Jesus says. Only seconds before we see scribes lavishly donating their money to the church. They give in this, abu in this abundance. They give plenty. And yes, she should be commended for her commitment and her heart. But we should also be outraged at the scribes who have used her donations to build their own wealth as they bleed her and so many like her dry. So as she was prayed on, 
by clergy who use her devotion against her. How many times do we see this these days? How many times do we see this in the world? We see pastors on television who say, you know, if you could uh, just give $1,000, even if it feels like you can't give $1,000, we'll send you some holy water and a, and a prayer cloth, and we will, uh, you know, pray over it personally before we send it to you, and it will give you a blessing. We see title loan companies, and we see, you know, cash advance companies that, that make it to where people give all of their money and end up keep giving and giving and giving in order to just try to make it through the day. This is something we should fight against as believers. We should fight against injustices where predatory people use the poor and downtrodden because they're easy to use. Because just like the disciples, we tend not to notice until Jesus points it out. We tend not to notice in our day-to-day you see to Jesus, the temple didn't just help the widow. It actively harmed her. It actively caused her damage. It actively participated in the work that kept the poor poorer and the rich richer. But surely intentional evil like this is rare, right? In the grand scheme of things, this isn't the majority of people. We're not the majority of us looking to, you know, scavenge on the, the, the poor and the needy. Surely in that time, there were good scribes, there were good Pharisees, there were good Sadducees. Surely, just in the, the law of averages. Alicia shared with us last week a scribe who came to Jesus and talked to him about the great commandment. And Jesus felt so connected to this man, he said, surely you are close to the kingdom of God because this guy was starting to pick up what Jesus was putting down. He was starting to understand. So surely not all scribes are bad. So why mention this? Why bring this up? Why does Jesus focus on this woman who has been harmed? Because there's more to play than some evil scribes and a poor widow. The whole system is the problem. As we know from Jesus' teaching, there's quite a bit wrong with life in the temple at this time. The, shortly before this, Jesus came in and he turned over tables. He chased out money exchangers. The reason for this was the economy of the day was built around the Roman coin. The time of this, at this time, because Roman had, Rome, had taken over, uh, Rome had taken over Jerusalem, they all bartered, they all had their daily money in Roman money. But the, the temple didn't allow Roman money as the donations. They required the money of the temple. So outside the temple, right when you were walking in, there were money exchangers who would take your Roman money and would turn it into temple money. But they did that. Uh, cut off plenty on the top for themselves. They made a profit. They made a profit out of people's sacrifices. And that's what Jesus was so upset about. It's the reason he turned over tables and came at folks with a whip. Not only that, though, there was so much of this money that was actually coming into the temple was going to Herod. So much of this money was actually going into somebody who acted like he was there for the, the Jewish people, but really all he was doing was building his own wealth and placating the Romans. The whole arrangement was failing. The whole system was busted. Jesus drives this home as he's leaving the temple with his disciples, and many of them who weren't from the city, for the most part, the, t- the disciples were, were bumpkins. They were, you know, from the rural areas 
of Judah. And they're amazed by the size and splendor of the temple. This is their first, for many of them, this is their first time in the big city. I know this feeling because I remember the first time I went to Chicago. I was there with a youth group. I'd never been anywhere bigger than downtown Memphis. And so I thought surely because I had seen all of these big buildings in downtown Memphis that I knew what, you know, a big city looked like. And I get off the train in Chicago and I basically have like a bout of agoraphobia. Like I can't handle the the size of these buildings, the amount of people behind me. It was right after iPods became a big thing. So it's just fascinating walking people back and forth. And they all had these white earbuds in and were completely ignoring the existence of everyone around them. But the entire experience was just flabbergasting because I'd never seen something so big in my life. So I understand the disciples in this moment, how awestruck they are at this temple. And they're like, look at all these big buildings. Look at this splendor. And Jesus says, do you see all of these great buildings? Not one stone here will be left on another. Every one of these will be thrown down. He says this, directly after leaving from seeing this widow. Jesus predicts, and rightfully so, that this temple won't be around much longer. This is just a few decades after this. Rome comes in and knocks the whole thing down. The temple, the system they all lived in, was falling apart. The system is what allowed the scribes to victimize the widow. The system is what brings her coming back out of obligation at her own detriment. The system is what allowed those predatory scribes to do what they did in the first place. What Jesus is saying by saying that all these beautiful buildings will come crumbling down is to hell with it, to literal hell with it, to hell with these ideologies that victimize our weak, our downtrodden, and our marginalized. This is consistent with Jesus' entire experience at the temple. Like I said earlier, a few days before, Jesus walked in and flipped over tables that were being used to abuse people. Jesus isn't just mad at the money changers. He's mad at the institution that let them flourish in the first place. The thing about systems is that they're not one malicious decision after another. They're not people attempting to harm other people, but tons of innocent, innocuous decisions after another, after another that go unquestioned. No one said, hey, if we don't accept Roman money in the temple, we could use that exchange to get some extra money. We could, we could use that to, 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 to make some cash on the side. They didn't make that decision to do that, to harm people. They said, this is a place pivotal to our identity. It's a pivotal to our culture. And so we need to keep it ours. And one way to do that is to continue to use our money. That makes sense. It makes, it's, they're attempting to keep their identity in the face of imperialism, in the face of control from an outsider. And there's something something beautiful about that. There's something holy about that. But then someone else could come along and easily use that to hurt people. That's the sneaky part of systemic problems. 
when the system is what is hurting people, there's no one to blame. When the system is hurting people, it's easy to miss it. It's easy to ignore it. It's also easy to not see how anyone is hurt by it. I say all this. We talk about all of this today because there are a ton of two-penny widows in this world. And y'all, there are a ton of big, beautiful temples that are built on the backs of those two-penny widows. It's our job as followers of the same Jesus who flipped tables in the temple to watch these entities, these systems, and work to tear them down until there's not one stone sitting on top of another. But that's hard to do in a world where capitalism is the name of the game, where as such, our clothes, our phones, our homes, our food are all made by folks who work for pennies. It's our job to look at our lives and find out if we have flowing robes and respect in the marketplaces that are paid for at the expense of those who we are called to serve. Now, I'm not saying that we should necessarily throw away our iPhones or stop buying clothes that is made overseas in sweatshops. What I am saying is that we should stop and think. What I'm asking is that we just stop and think. Think about how our everyday choices impact the world around us. Think about ways that we can change our actions and the systems that we're involved in. Ways that we can make the world a little bit better. Maybe God is calling you to make small changes in the systems around you and how your heart responds to the poor and mistreatment in our communities. Now, in our Psalms text, it said, unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. And I tell you this today, the Lord doesn't build houses on the backs of widows. The Lord doesn't build houses on the backs of the mistreated and the downtrodden. So as we look at what's in our life, look at if the Lord helped build it or if it was built on the backs of those that are hurting. It's our job to love like Jesus loved. And that means, in part, understanding the place we have in the world and how far we have to go before the world gets close to looking like what Jesus wants for the world. I told you all at the beginning that this wasn't a stewardship sermon, and I mean it. But I realized that on some level it is a stewardship sermon because it is a stewardship of our attention, of our ethics, of our hearts, to make sure that we are spending our time, our energy, and our resources in the right direction. Because all we can do is give of ourselves. And so we need to make sure that we're giving in the right direction, that we're giving for those that hurt and not for those that hurt. Does that make sense? That we are giving to those that are hurting, not those that cause hurt in others. So that doesn't mean that we can't try in the face of hardness because we can easily just 
give up the face of these systems because they're so much bigger than us. It doesn't mean that we can't try. That doesn't mean that we can't knock over some tables. We can't hold the hands of some widows. And we can't continue the long walk towards the peaceable kingdom that Jesus teaches us to long for. Let us pray.